Stand by. Hey, good morning. It's a joy to be with you again here. And we are looking in Acts chapter 21. If, if you've been watching, you'll notice that Pastor Rick is uh, working on a series on the gift of tongues. Okay, and But we are continuing our study out of the book of Acts. Um, the other staff members are. So, so don't be confused. Uh, we're not disjointed. Okay, we kind of have two series going on. We're working through the book of Acts, and Pastor Rick has been working on a series on the gift of tongues, and we are, we are creating a podcast for that series, and uh, this, all the series videos will be on our website as, as its own series. So, uh, so be on the lookout for that and be watching those. It's, a, it's really wonderful, powerful teaching. It'll bless your life. Uh, so thank you for continuing to watch and support us and and as we look in Acts chapter 21, we've been, if, if you listened to Pastor Gene Thomas last Thursday morning, he discussed Paul's farewell speech to the Ephesian brothers and sisters that he loved so much, and it's a very emotional goodbye for them. And, uh, and so then we pick up at the end of, or at the beginning of uh, chapter 21 in the book of Acts, and it says, And it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail. And actually, uh, the phrasing there is from, in the beginning of verse 1 there, is we tore ourselves away, meaning it was a difficult parting from the, from the Ephesian brothers and sisters. It was very difficult, you know, a lot of weeping and crying. And uh, so, it, so that's how we begin. It, chapter 21, and, and now this, these next 16 verses are going to take Paul all the way to Jerusalem. But a lot's going to happen from now until then, and so we're going to take a look and, and sort of uh, digest it a little bit. So let me read the this first 16 verses of chapter 21 so you get a flow of the movement here because Paul is going to go all the way from... Uh, where he meets his friends, his uh, friends from Ephesus, and he's going to go all the way and end up in Jerusalem from there. So that that's the flow of the, the the geographical flow of these sixteen verses. So it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos. The following day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara, and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days in Tyre. They told Paul, through the Spirit, not to go to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. I'd like to be a part of that prayer meeting, by the way. Right there on the shore uh, by Tyre. Wow. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. When we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to uh, Ptolemy, greeted the brethren and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. Now, this is Philip, one of the seven, who was one of the seven and that, that was mentioned back in uh, Acts chapter 7. 
and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came from Judea. The same Agabus from uh, uh, chapter 11 of uh, Acts who prophesied the drought that would come. Came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and says, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. This is why I wanted to read the whole thing. You're beginning to see what's going on here. Everybody's telling Paul, don't do it. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we packed up and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Manson, Nason, Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. So that takes Paul all the way to Jerusalem. Now, Luke could have just said, that's 16 verses. Luke could have said, Paul left his friends from Ephesus and went to Jerusalem. I mean, Luke is the one writing it. So he's the one that's thinking about what really needs to be in this book. And if you think about it, just in terms of words, I mean, we have printing presses and we have just words everywhere these days. Well, Luke actually had to think about it and make a decision. He only had so much space to write. He had to decide what he really thought should be in that book. And there's probably a bunch of stories he could have put in there to replace these 16 verses. But Luke, led by the Holy Spirit, said, "These I need to talk about Paul's journey and him wrestling and interacting with all of these friends of his. Because this idea of Paul going to Jerusalem was met with a lot of opposition. And so Luke decides to put that in there. That, that, that Paul has to encounter his friends and wrestle through his decision to go to Jerusalem with his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is a Bible study really about ministry relationships. Ministry relationships because some of Paul's best friends, even Luke, disagreed with Paul. Try to tell him not to do it. They disagreed. So, I mean, that, that's important stuff right there. And so this, this, this shows us sort of the character of Paul. And, begin, and I think there's some really powerful principles that we can take out of these passages if, if we kind of look at it. Because so, let's face it, it's, it's not easy to, uh, to relate to each other sometimes. You know? Sometimes sometimes we're speaking English, we're both speaking English, but I might as well be speaking Greek and you might as well be speaking Chinese. You know, because there's enough, I mean, there's so many factors when you're relating to people, right? There's uh, your education level compared to theirs or your life experience compared to theirs, um, different expectations placed upon the relationship or uh, 
emotional intelligence of the two people or the, the group of people that are there. I mean, there, there's a wide variety. I mean, Cindy was telling me a story. I won't tell the details. That's, you know, church information. But she was telling me the story just, just this morning about the struggle in a, in a small hometown church about ministry relationships, how to work it out, how, how's it going to be dealt with. And so it's interesting that Luke presents Paul's journey to Jerusalem this way. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. And Luke presents uh, these two scenarios where he, Paul is faced with opposition by his friends. And, and so Luke gives a, a lengthy discussion of the 50-day journey from Passover, which they did in Philippi, all the way till they get to Jerusalem. And he presents Paul as a very relational person. Sometimes when we read the New Testament and we read Paul's epistles, it, it can give the impression that Paul is a very theological, brainy guy. And, but, but we see here that he's actually a very relational person as well. He has some very good friends. And so Paul is a, is a man who related to many people. He was a smart guy. He was a... Yes, he was a theological person, but he was a very spiritual person, and he was a very relational person. We see him weeping with the Ephesians. You know, he was brokenhearted um, over that. So, in the and so then we get to Tyre, and the disciples plead with him not to go to Jerusalem. And then in in Philip's house, when Agabus comes and and prophesies that Paul is about to about to be bound and essentially arrested. That that was that broke it for Luke, okay? Luke Luke who's traveling with Paul, who's Paul's traveling companion. Uh, Luke couldn't take that. He just said, "Paul, this this cannot be the will of God for your life." I, I just that, that 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 that's just too much for me to to swallow right now. That 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 it's the will of God for you to uh, to go to Jerusalem and be bound. Cindy, will you close that door for me, please? So, I've got three principles that I drew out of this text, and I've got 20 minutes to, to hit them. So, let's do it. Sometimes in life, we have to follow a course of action that God has put in front of us, even if others think we are wrong. Okay? Let me say it again. Sometimes in life, we have to follow a course of action that God has put in front of us, even if others think we are wrong. If we're convinced in our hearts that God has truly led us, we must listen to the voice of God and not man. Okay? So, this is the classic, you know, we have to fear God and not man. We cannot make our decisions based off of what others' opinions are. Now, And, and I'm going to get into this doesn't mean we disregard our friends, we don't disregard wisdom. And in fact, we see Paul, you know, who's very brokenhearted. He's not just flippantly, you know, casting away advice. He's actually very distraught because he's, you know, he's, he, he really appreciates his friends. In the end, though, he has to make his decisions after considering what his friends are saying. He has to make his decision about Jerusalem based on what he believes God is saying. And so Paul was convinced, even after some of his best friends talked to him, he was still convinced that God wanted him to go to Jerusalem. Let's look at some of the classic 
um, uh, fear of the Lord verses. Okay? Proverbs 19.23 The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Psalm 85.9 Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Psalm 34.7 The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and rescues them. Psalm 145.19 He will fulfill the desires of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. Psalm 25.12 Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. That's a good one. Psalm 34.9 Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear Him, there is no want. So you get the idea, right? Being in the will of God for your life is just simply irreplaceable. There's nothing better or more blessed to know that you are in the will of God and you're walking in the will of God. So my question right now to you is, what do you want for your life? What, what do you want for your life? That's a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. Because what we want might not be what God is calling us to. And the fear of the Lord will bring you to a place to where God will lead you into a blessed life. We just read all these verses saying that supporting the idea that being in the will of God, that fearing God and listening to God will lead to a blessed life. So the number one thing that I want to suggest that, that you begin to ask God for is, God, give me a desire to be in your will, no matter what. That I would be in your will. Because if I'm out of your will, then I'm missing out on the blessing. But if I'm in your will, the Word says, I'll be blessed. And being in the will of God gives you definition in life. It gives you purpose in life. It gives you clarity. No confusion, no turmoil. It gives peace. This comes from the fear of the Lord, deciding that God's in charge of your life and you will follow God no matter what. So this is where Paul was. He was defined. He had a clear purpose. He was not confused about what he was supposed to be doing. So, of course, the contrast is fear of man. So I've got some verses on those, too. Proverbs twenty-nine, twenty-five: The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. 1 Samuel 15, 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, uh, This is after uh, Samuel goes, or Saul goes and he sacrifices. He offers the sacrifices uh, unto the Lord uh, himself instead of waiting for Samuel to get there, who was the one who was supposed to do it. He, Samuel tells him, Wait, Saul, I'll get there and do the sacrifices. Saul sees the army coming, gets scared, and he offers the sacrifices. And Samuel said, and then Saul says, I have sinned, I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Isaiah fifteen one twelve. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, and of the Son of Man who is made like grass? It's a good perspective verse there, right? Luke twelve four. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, 
and after that have no more that they can do. The dangers of living under the fear of man. Well, obviously you'll never be in the will of God. Because <laughs> you're following the will of somebody else or, or a group of people or you know whoever thinks that you should be doing this at that time, right? And you'll never have clear definition in life. Because what people want changes. Based on how they feel or whatever. You know, they just want that instead of that. Trying to please the crowd. You just endure to whatever emotion or whatever the trend is, right? Now, that's, that's a note to pastors that you've got to be careful about the trends out there. Betty has this, uh, you know, the Christian theme park analogy, right? Whatever's the new ride, let's jump on it. And so, you know, that that's that idea. So, so the dangers of living under the fear of man is that you won't be in the will of God. And so, so, so Paul is there, and he knows that God has called him to go to Jerusalem. But all of his best friends are trying to get him not to go. And, and so he has to decide that he's going to stick to what he believes that God has called him to do. Now, of course, if you look at Paul, this concept, this idea of, of of fearing God and not man, can it can be misused, and I've seen it. You know where people say, "Well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I fear God. I don't fear man." And so they they use that as an excuse to be unkind to people, or as a light, you know, as a license to just uh, kind of treat others, you know, disrespectfully. And that, of course, that's not what we're talking about. You know that. Okay, so so we're not going to go there. That you know because Paul doesn't do that. Um, you know, Paul was a man who, who simply refused to allow fear of man to guide his course. You know, and actually he wasn't, uh, he didn't break fellowship with them. He actually continues to, he continues to travel with them. But he knew he had to, have to live under the blessing of God. And so Paul knew that even if persecution and death awaited him, it would be better to be in the will of God and to face that than be outside of the will of God. Now, May God give me the strength and the grace if I ever have the honor of becoming a martyr for Jesus, may I have that same grace. I mean, I can't stand here and tell you that in my own strength, oh yeah, no problem. I, I Be glad to do that. Oh man, I, I've never had a gun pointed at my face. A loaded one at least. <laughs> you know, I've never had anybody threaten my life for Christ or anything. I don't know what it's like, so uh, so I'm not about to go there. I'm just saying, may God give me the grace if, if I have that honor, because I do consider it an honor for those who, who have done, gone before me to do that. So, are you living under the fear of man today? Do you let others' opinions sway you too easily? Are you constantly looking for approval from others in order to feel validated in your Christian walk? I encourage you to take a note from the Apostle Paul. Copy this page out of his playbook of life. That was a fun phrase I came up with and I put it down here. <laughs> and just ask God to deliver you from the fear of man. And begin living under the blessing of the fear of the Lord. And that might mean that you have to walk through some fires. You have to walk through some difficult things. Okay, But if the Scriptures are true, it is better to go through hardship and be in the will of God then have an easy life and be outside of the will of God and get the approval of man all the time. 
So search your heart. That's lesson number one. Like Paul, got to seek to live in the fear of the Lord. Number two. Number two lesson. Because now sometimes we find ourselves in the position of Paul out of this text, where we're the one that has, you know, we feel like we're called to do something. And no matter what anybody says, I mean, God just put it in our heart. And we can't deny it, right? So sometimes we're in Paul's position. Well, sometimes actually, though, we're in the friend's position. That sometimes we're in the position of Luke and, and the disciples in Tyre who are looking at a brother or sister in Christ who's saying, I don't think this is a good idea, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? So we're, different times in our lives, we might find ourselves on a different, in a different place, right? So if you believe strongly that another brother and sister is choosing a poor course of action, it's okay to resist and state your case. Because if it's of the Lord, then they'll stand firm and they'll stand the test that you're putting before them and they'll stay with it. Okay, But, it's, but it is okay to bring it up and state a, state a case for the other side. For instance, Paul does this with Peter. He talks about it in Galatians 2. When Peter came, had come to Antioch, this is uh, Galatians 2, 11 to 14. Paul is writing here. And when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because, because he was to be blamed for before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with them, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So, so Paul saw his brother in Christ, Peter, acting in a way that did not seem in keeping with the grace of God and was actually um, uh, sort of discriminating against the Gentiles. And so Paul stood up to him. And in that situation, you know, Peter needed to repent, Right? So, so Paul challenged Peter openly. Um, now, I've learned actually as I, as I study this that a lot of scholars believe that Paul was wrong. He shouldn't have gone to Jerusalem. They believe that he should have listened to his friends and that he should not have gone. Um, where do I stand on this? I, I, believe, that, I believe that Paul was right. Um, the reason I say this, you know, Paul, um, Paul is not a guy who uh, wouldn't receive counsel or help or assistance. I mean, he wasn't just some stubborn mule-headed guy who refused to. Uh, at the riot in Ephesus, Paul wanted to run out into the crowds. And his, his friends in Ephesus said, no, don't do it. And he listened. He didn't go. Because they probably would have drug him away then. He never would have gotten back to Jerusalem, never would have ended up in Rome. So he listened in that situation. Um, in Damascus, way back in Acts 9, um, he allowed his, his disciple friends to lower him out of a window and save his life. You know, so, 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 so Paul is not just a stubborn, mule-headed guy who won't listen to a friend. That's not what you see here at all. You know, you, you see Paul will take advice, but in the end, if, if he believes that God's called him to, to do something, he, he's going to do it. He's not going to back down. But that doesn't mean that it's not okay to challenge him. And so his brothers and sisters say, you know, I want to challenge you. So do you need to challenge your brother or sister? Do you back away from being a, a, 
a good friend in Christ. Now, if, if what they want to do is of the Lord, then, then it, they'll stick to it. And in the end, Luke says, we just had to turn Paul over to the Lord and say, okay, God, you know, our brother really believes he needs to do this, so we give him over to you. And we trust Him in your hands. And at some point, you might have to do that. And so that leads me to, to the third lesson. The first one is you have to make your decisions in life based on the fear of God, not fear of man. And the second one is, is it's okay to ch- challenge a brother or sister in Christ if you feel like they're... Now, they, in the end, they might stick to it, but that's okay to, to challenge them. And sometimes we need to do that, just as, as Paul did to Peter when uh, we saw in Galatians there. The second, the third, the third lesson is this: uh, that even though we have disagreements sometimes, we should strive to remain in fellowship with our brothers and sisters, if at all possible. And actually, we see that here, right? They really challenge Paul after Agabus comes, after Agabus comes and ties up his hands and everything, and gives the prophecy, and and it's out right there at first. Back uh, in chapter 20 of Acts, Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem and I don't know what's going to happen. Well, now we know what's going to happen. There's no doubt about it now. Paul knows he's, he's going to be persecuted and arrested. And everybody else sees it too. So then that's when the real opposition comes from his friends and even Luke. Um, but in the end, they stay in fellowship. And they, tra- they finish the journey to Jerusalem together. Paul says in Romans uh, 12, 18... If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, if there's going to be a relationship broken, just do everything you can to make sure it's not broken because of yourself. Just do everything you can to stay in fellowship with brothers and sisters, even those that you disagree with. So Luke has to give him over to the Lord and say, Okay, Lord, I give Paul over to you, but I'm still going to support him even though this just doesn't seem like it's a good idea. I'm still going to love my brother. I'm still going to love on him. Luke had been through a lot with Paul. You know? The bond was stronger than one disagreement. So Luke had to turn Paul over to the Lord. You know, sometimes we have to turn people over to God. A Christian friend, sure, but spouses? You know, you got... A lot of marriages where you have a believing spouse and a non-believing one. Or two believers and one of them has just gone crazy for a little while. And you have to turn them over to the Lord and say, God, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't change them. You've got to do something, God. Children? Woo! Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of, a lot of like, oh, oh amen. <laughs> a lot of that. You've got to give them over to the Lord sometimes because... Um, there's only so much you can do. At a certain age, they start making their own decisions. They start deciding who they want to be. And um, and you can't force. You have to turn them over to the Lord and say, Okay, God, you you, you got to watch over them because I can't be there every second anymore. So those are three life lessons that I take away from this passage. I wanted to focus on the relational side because... That's what I see here. I mean, Luke, Luke doesn't gloss it over and just say, you know, Paul went to Jerusalem. He talks about these relationships and how they work out. So just to review, let's strive to live in the fear of the Lord and not the fear of man. The fear of man is oppressive. The fear of the Lord brings a lot of joy. 
might bring some hard things in life because God will call you some hard things, but that's where the blessing is. Number two, it's okay to have disagreements with Christian friends. We need to be able to talk openly about those disagreements. We might always, might always, might still disagree in the end of it until sometimes we just have to say, I turn it over to the Lord and try to keep fellowship as much as possible. I think it's a responsibility as us of Christians to try to keep fellowship with each other and support each other, even in our disagreements. I want to thank you for listening this morning. I uh, look forward to continue listening as uh, somebody's coming up right after me at 9.30. Hope you are blessed by our programming today, and we'll see you again. We're going to begin, uh, continue the, uh, the series on Acts tomorrow morning at 9, but stay tuned. We've got some great teachings coming up right after me. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh, God's mercy so amazes me As I watch the world around me I can see His mighty hand Delivering His people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken hearted Lift their voice in prayer As they feel the touch 